Greetings, friends. Welcome back to another horrifying day of this, uh, the October Mega Marathon, the descent into the horror of beast. Here on the Film Alchemist podcast, you know the deal 31 days, 31 pods. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, here for a brief little introduction before we get to today's amazing guest and episode. All right, guys, it's official. We are on Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join our community over there. Dip your toes in, see what we're all about. If you like what you see, as you climb the tiers, you can begin to specifically choose the movies that you would like us to discuss in our patron-exclusive library. You also have the ability to vote on episodes that we cover as part of our normal curations, make extra picks for our December stocking stuffers, so a lot of ways for our patrons to get over there and help make this the show they want. And that's really what we're all about, guys. We're working hard for your money. We got some extra stuff we're working on over there, some cool new ideas for content. So uh, again, that's patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod is the best way to help our show. For those of you who do that, thank you. For those of you who are about to, thank you as well. Please make sure you leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you find the show. Uh, helps us to fight, helps us defeat the algorithmic overlords, the algorithmic albino cave dwellers that are oppressing us. Our friends are cheating on our husbands. The least you can do is give us a rating and review. Please help, please help us climb out of this hole. Uh, you can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. You can find video versions of most of our podcasts there, along with some more other content we're working on. Always cooking up ideas. That's our jam. You can email the show filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on all the social media you're on. We're very easy to get a hold of. We love to hear from you guys. We love talking to you. So get at us. We appreciate uh, all the support and help that you guys offer. All right. Enough of that business. Let's get to the horror, shall we? As if it wasn't enough. Every single day this month, you greedy, greedy gluttons. It's all right. We like it. We want it. We don't even have a safe word. That's how much we like it. All right. Today, we are discussing uh, one of the scariest theater experiences I ever had. Today, we are talking about The Descent with our guest, Lucy Bugliss, who we love. You can find Lucy on her own podcast, TV Time. That's T-E-A, uh, The Time. It's a great podcast. Lucy's amazing. She's, she's warm and she is funny. I love the way she thinks about movies. She's very insightful. She gets right to it. I appreciate Lucy a lot. Um, there's just a glow about the Zoom and the pod when we talk to her. It's like being with an old friend, right? I love Lucy. She's unbelievable. So get at her podcast. Find her wherever you can online. I'll have all that info in the show notes and description if you're on the tube. So Lucy was kind enough to join us again. We invited her back because we love her so much. She came back and she chose The Descent. Now, Alex had never seen this. I had seen it in college, and it's a hard one for me to revisit because I am portly. I am claustrophobic. So I probably am about three times the weight and girth of every person spelunking and getting caught in these caves. So when I saw this in theaters, I was uh, walking the aisle. Like, I actually went to that little tunnel where you, you dip out, right? Because <laughs> I was like, I don't know if I'm going to take this. And then by the good gods, this movie turns into more of a a battle royale, which is a little easier to take, but it never loses its emotional through line. I think The Descent is one of the truly great horror movies of the 2000s. Lucy is one of the truly great podcast guests and friends that you're, you could be lucky enough to have. So again, please go support her. Please go support us. 
more than anything, guys, thank you for being with us. I know 31 pods in 31 days is an awful lot of content, but we have such a good time in October and we meet so many new of you doing it uh, and we appreciate everything you guys do for us. So please, without any more blabbering from me, enjoy The Descent with our friend, Lucy Pugliss. Welcome back to the show. Our good friend from across the seas, Lucy Buglis. Welcome back to the show. Yay! Thank you for having me again, guys. I'm glad that I made a good first impression. It's always an honor to join you, so thanks again. (laughs) Well, thank you so much. We knew as soon as it was someone in danger from rocks, we had to call you back. (laughs) Yeah, it's my my unofficial brand now. Is somebody stuck in a canyon? Yep, bring me on. That's just how it (laughs) is. You know your niche. Uh, okay, before we get going here, Lucy, would you like to remind everyone what you're working on, where they can find it? Yeah, of course. So um, at the moment, I'm primarily podcasting like your lovely selves. Um, TV Time is my podcast. It's about TV and drinks, hence the name. Yeah, T-E-A-V. Uh, we're on, yeah, we're on a little bit of a hiatus at the moment, but we're going to come back for like an unofficial season two. Um, but we've covered loads of cool stuff like WandaVision, all the big ones. Um, Bojack Horseman was a, a good highlight. So if you if you like TV, go check it out. That's the main thing I've been doing. Um, I should be writing reviews, but haven't done many because I'm just <laughs> <laughs> But I will at some point. <laughs> Life finds a way. Yeah, I That's get it. it. <laughs> exactly. All right. So as part of our October marathon, we reached out to our favorite friends and uh, we invited you on the show. Would you like to tell everyone uh, what movie you chose and why do you hate me and Alex so much and wanted to scare us? <laughs> okay, okay. I, I am sorry, um, but trust me, I'm scared, I'm scared of this film too. Uh, I chose The Descent uh, by Neil Marshall. Um, most people know him as the, the director of Dog Soldiers, which is also a really good film. Uh, the Descent, I studied this in college, actually, um, when I was doing film. Uh, we were doing contemporary American horror. Uh, so we watched that in a kind of classroom environment and I remember it just scared the shit out of me. <laughs> like it was so scary and I wanted to kind of share it with you guys today because it's one of the few films that genuinely like keeps me up at night and there's not many that can do that. <laughs> so yeah, it's if you're claustrophobic, it's not really the one to watch, I must admit. <laughs> yes, and that's what I was telling you. I saw this in theaters uh, mm. and I remember I had to get out of the row and go stand in the little hallway to the door of the theater in case I had to run away and tear. Um, mm-hmm. Especially because I feel like I'm like three times the size of every spelunker in this movie. <laughs> so you're like, if they're stuck, I'm dead. Uh, Alex, you had never seen this movie before, right? Nope. I wanted it like the play. <laughs> How are you holding in there, man? <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, it's, I gotta be honest, it's very rare you see a movie that combines, I don't know, every single fear I have in the entire world. Yes. I mean, like, other than people dying of a miserable disease, yeah, this is pretty much that's all your of only my fear. fear that's not <laughs> that's the only one that's not in here. Like if someone yeah. said, "Oh, also, I just found out I'm dying of cancer," I'd be like, "Wow, all right, we're just hitting all the choice notes, great." Right. It's, well, that was something I had forgotten. Right? Because I feel like this is a constant theme on the show now as we're getting older. You're like, hey, remember that movie that you thought was one thing when you were like in college, and now is different? <laughs> I forgot they just casually threw in a your daughter got final destination at the start of the movie i had remembered the guy dying i totally forgot about the daughter so that was an extra 
uh, fuck you to my Saturday morning. <laughs> there was another... Uh, Lucy, when you started saying you were studied this in college, I'm like, please say it wasn't film school. Like It was like, oh, I studied this for philosophy for like an ethics course. We're like, <laughs> sweet, we have so much to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was just contemporary. Um, uh, that's fair. Horror that's in fair. general. Uh, I forgot which other film we watched in because it was kind of that and another film, but I've forgotten what that one was. But The Descent was like the one that stood out to me. Mm-hmm. <sighs> well, this is the tried and true American formula, right? This is wrong turn. There's a lot of these, uh, there are wilderness people, like forgotten peoples don't go into their area, right? Uh, <laughs> the Hills Have Eyes is probably one of the scariest ones I ever saw. No, um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, so one of the things I was thinking watching this today, right? Hmm. I okay so there's a lot to start on let's start here right I had forgotten that every single character knew exactly what was happening in that first scene right once you see it in hindsight and you rewatch the opening like uh Mountain Dew commercial opening right the the extreme sports buddies opening right when they get out of that boat it is very obvious that everyone knows that Juno is fucking Paul Mm mm-hmm and they're all just not acknowledging the elephant in the room. And I forgot that that led specifically to the impaling of her husband and kid. Because he's so distraught with guilt or just wanting to move on to Juno that that's what starts them on. You know, he has to performatively say, I'm fine. What do you make of the movie just so blatantly telling us right off the bat that there's this underlying misery with these people? I don't know, man. Who wants to go first on this one? <laughs> Why don't you go ahead, Lucy? <laughs> you should go first, Lucy. <laughs> okay. I put you through this. So st- yeah, it's fine. Yeah, right. um, yeah, it's quite an extreme opening, isn't it? I mean, like, it's not really a realistic film to begin with. But like you say, it's a final destination. Like, I, I have a thing where I don't like driving behind those things in case it oh, happens. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I Absolutely. Just, I don't like doing it. Um, yeah, it's an, some interesting foreshadowing because you know something's going to happen to Juno. Um, yeah. and immediately you hate her which is not a good start <laughs> um but I, I don't know i just think it's quite it's quite it really hits you in the face like immediately and you're like whoa <laughs> um yeah and it's an interesting one because you have to kind of like suspend your disbelief a little bit because it's a little bit far-fetched to be honest like that that kind of wouldn't happen in real life you wouldn't think uh but it's, it's it is one of those sort of strange <laughs> horror movie like um you know what's the word like cruel punishment at the end you know she gets what's coming to her uh, oh when yeah you agree that it's appropriate yeah, there's I, definitely I, a, a fine like comeuppance it. there at the end yeah, yeah a lot of comeuppance i was thinking though <laughs> that the difference in watching the movie this time right i hadn't seen it in a long time and as much mm. as i do adore this movie it's really fucking hard to sit through because like alex said it it's like my actual nightmare is being stuck somewhere like that right yeah so but what i i was struck by this time is how there's not really any kind of trick or suspense of the film. They essentially tell you right up front, this is going to go horrendously bad for everyone involved, right? And mm-hmm. I was struck by how constantly the movie, and the opening where they kind of tell us, like, yes, affairs, affairs, uh, dead family. It's it's almost like this is a, an addendum, right? Like an appendix to the film. And then it just starts with, you know, fun, extreme vacation friends again. And I, I kept coming back to why start it with such misery, And I think, Alex, that's one of the fun tools of the movie is that this is a foregone conclusion film, which I feel like rarely are this impactful. Why do you think that is? I mean, I think because, you know, 
It's interesting. Maybe it's because we tack a dead kid and parent like at the very beginning of the movie. Like that's on the scoreboard from the jump. I wonder if like, because I mean, to me, like I cannot imagine a worse thing. I mean, obviously this movie has all the worst things I imagine, but this one's probably the worst of the worst is like being left alone away from my wife and child. Like that. I thought about that and I'm like, okay, so the worst thing now has happened. So how much worse can this get? Like how much more misery can we inflict upon these people? And like, I think that's kind of what, I think that's kind of the trick of the movie. Like the movie's called the descent. We (laughs) descend almost immediately. Like there's absolutely no like pretense. So like everything's terrible, but I think it's because the way in which the terrors inflicted, it's almost, it's not like there are obviously the jump scares. There's the, you know, there's the like, a perennial boogeyman feeling throughout the movie but i think the thing that struck me the most watching it was how like if i was stuck in a cave with people like that i'd be like i would just off myself these are people are awful like i'd be like i'm never getting out of here but i'm not gonna die with these assholes like i'm just like i'm not gonna be like that i think is (laughs) the most prevalent and persistent thing in the movie is how awful everybody is and (laughs) like every single one of these people even uh even our main even the person even the Sarah right the woman yeah, who loses what's her what's wrong uh, with Sarah nothing's wrong with Sarah but like she but like you said everybody seems to know except for her that Paul and Juno are totally banging out like, I think she knew because if you go back to that opening that's scene even there's, worse. there's a lot of side eye happening she's just allowed but then that's even worse well, okay like, but she's got a kid involved right so she could go straight divorce but then you're like or do we try it again and like join our Facebook accounts that kind of thing that never works <laughs> you know like there are options before I mean she's got a kid involved right sure I'll tell you who's because this is a something I was going to ask you guys is Juno the most hateable character in any film ever, <laughs> including biopics of dictators. I think Juno is the worst person who's ever been in a movie. Juno from The Descent and um, that German uh, movie about Hitler that they always play, like when they have like fake dialogue over what he's saying and yelling Downfall? at people in the bunker. Yeah. Is that what it is? Downfall? So yeah. Hitler and Juno. Hitler and Downfall <laughs> and Juno and The Descent are the two most hateable characters I've ever seen in a movie. Yeah, and the girl who asked to pet the unicorn in Legend. Those are the yeah. three most hateable That's characters. right. Yeah, sorry. Uh, Lucy, three. is Juno the most hateable character of all time? <laughs> I think she is. I think she has like pretty much zero redeeming features. And you think if you're in a friend group like that and you've got a friend who's recently grieving and you're being performative and pretending to give a shit when you've been screwing a husband, it's like, come on, man. <laughs> like, that's she, the worst thing you can do as a friend. She's like, also just you know, utter trash the entire time. Like, yeah. going down and be like, different cave. Sorry, guys. Didn't bring the map. Like, oh my God. I would fucking kill. So- like, I would be like, you're done. Like, we're finished with this. Yeah. I hate you. And it also feels like she does this all the time. So one lady's like, this isn't a, you know, cave exploration. It's an ego yeah. trip. Yeah. See, that's the other thing, too. How many times has she done this? And it's well, been like a huge The other thing, thing too, this, this is very similar to 127 hours in the respect of it feels like Juno. This is almost like Juno's wet dream when this happens, right? Like, this is exactly <laughs> where she wants to find herself. Because yeah. one of the scenes that just, I was like, you are the worst, right? So they make their little rope <laughs> contraption to go across the infinite abyss, right? The cliff or whatever. And she's like, no, it's cool. I'll come behind and just do like Stallone cliffhanger moves so we can have ropes and stuff. In doing that, 
she falls because, of course, and slices this other lady's hand open. So the next time they need to climb, one of these women might not be able to make it because Juno had to do Juno shit. I was just looking for any scene in the movie. I was like, is there one fucking scene where she's not the most hateable? The only thing I'll give her a pass on, weirdly, is murdering Beth. Okay, cool. I was going to say, if it was going to be the part where there was, there's another scene where they try to make, before they reveal what a piece of shit she truly is, that scene where she convinces Sarah to keep going when they're like, when she's like stuck and she's having her panic attack. Was that Sarah, right? I can't, I well, can't that, tell. That's after. Beth. Beth crawls sorry, back Beth. in with Sarah. Yeah, sorry. So Beth, I get those two confused constantly throughout the movie. Until Beth There's dies, a lot of I like no standard white idea. lady names. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a lot like, of standard white lady names. That scene where they try to make it seem like Juno's doing the right thing, it is invalidated almost immediately when you find out she's like totally fucked to these people and not brought a map or like that led them to a sure. different kid. I'm like, cool. She sucks. Well, how about this even? Why are you wearing the fucking cheater necklace? Oh my God. On the yeah. vacation. <laughs> yeah. I was like, maybe, well, cause there's a line where Juno is like, that seals it. You're the fucking worst. It's when she's yelling at Sarah's sister, Beth, and she goes, we all lost something in that crash. Yeah. <laughs> Within earshot of, Sarah and I was like, "Yeah, you're you're the absolute worst human being that's ever been in a movie." Right. What did you make of all this? Uh, how this played out? Uh, Lucy, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, yeah, no, I think it's it's funny because even before I think I think they're called crawlers officially, like the the, the creatures. Even right. before they come into play, Juno is like the ultimate antagonist of this entire thing. You don't even need the crawlers, really, to be honest. Yeah. You know, like she does right. all, that, all that shit that you've just mentioned. And then you have that bit where I think it's Rebecca kind of crawls in, falls down and kind of suffers a compound fracture where like her bones basically sticking out of her leg. Oof. Oh, Holly. Yeah. Holly yeah. thinks Holly, she sees sorry, sunlight yeah. and snaps and her leg. Yeah, just screwed at this point because it's like, you know, you've gone through an unknown cave system. You're just letting people injure themselves. Like this is taking the piss now. Like, what are you <laughs> just Yeah, right. <laughs> She is the worst. She really is. I I really can't think of any redeeming features for her, really. Well, this they gave her one moment, right? There's, like, two things they were trying okay. to work with in the film. Is One, when she's like, I won't leave the cave without Sarah. Right? The sweet irony of that by the end. And, you know, you just keep asking yourself, why, does she, why is she doing this routine with Sarah? Like, why is she trying to pretend that she cares about saving Sarah? What did you make of that, Alex? I won't leave this cave without Sarah why it's just all everybody in this situation is this like doing this like survivalist performance like and i don't mean that as like an actor thing like everybody the characters are constantly like trying to reassure each other that they're all like in it together i'm like there is no together in this like at no point does anybody like there's just no there's no like the cohesion between all of them isn't even like shared trauma the cohesion between all of them is literally like how fun is it to go on vacation and almost die? And like, okay, cool. That's like, that's like your guys' thing. That's weird and creepy. And I don't understand why any of you are friends, but like, it's all performance art. Like everyone just wants to seem like the best friend. And I think that's the part that, that's the part yeah. that just like sets me off every time when any of the, anything starts happening. Anytime, like anytime anybody starts like even feeling remotely like, oh, I should like feel for this person. Like they've clearly been there. No, fuck it. Like every single one of them is just like <laughs> some form of awful. Yeah. You know what? That's a really good point you made, Alex, actually. You, you said, why are these people friends in the first place? 
and you kind of think it's not really a friend group that you would imagine to, to be believable right. to be honest yeah. um i know that friend groups you know you have different personalities and different interests but they just don't seem to to work together do you know what i mean like it's, it's a very yeah. interesting pairing i yeah very strange one <laughs> well i really it's, liked it's the odd. opening in the cabin right i thought this was a really nice you know, getting to know our characters, you you start to bond to some of them. You're like, all right, these seem like a fun group, right? And I think what you get is this vibe of, and I think it plays with the affair too, right? Is these were people, like we all had that group we were friends with when we're younger. Mm. And as you age, it's just kind of disintegrating, right? And you're just finding less and less reasons to hang out or go see each other. That's where it feels like we're at now with this group, right? Yeah. And I think there is that moment. It's it's kind of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre moment, right? Where they take their group shot and it cuts to black and white. And there's this ominous, like, fucking fiddle sound or, what, you know, some fucking backwoods. <laughs> right, right. And you're like, oh, this is going to go horrible. This was the end of the group. And I think there's a, a, a dead man walking vibe to this group, right? That they were all really done being friends long before this cabin. Yeah. And you see it in the caves, the... um the two sisters that are hiding, right? And the crawler's coming up and they find out, you know, they're blind or whatnot. Mm. Uh, when Juno starts screaming Sarah's name, again, why? Uh, they're like, she's going to bring all of them down on her head and they just go, better hers than mine. Like, the bonds fray really quickly <laughs> once yeah. all hell breaks loose. And, and you sit as an audience and you're starting to think of your own friends, right? We all have that annoying, like, overachiever friend who's, you know, doing splits in our face at 6.30 a.m. Like, let's get the day started. You're like, fuck off. I'm hungover. I just want you know, so you have those friends. You start putting your own people in those spots and be, and wondering, would I take on all of these albino nightmares? Or would I also just say, you know what? We were friends in, like, study hall. Now I'm 40. Like, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's the ultimate test of like survival of the fittest and kind of like would you do something it's kind of it's the age-old conundrum of the horror film like would you save somebody else do you know what i mean yeah um, it's the kind of theory that's explored in things like saw and things like hostile when you're put in that position where you are encouraged to harm yourself to save somebody else would right. you actually do it um but you look at these guys and it's, it's all it's so self-interest. It's so, I just want to save myself. They, they don't yeah. give a shit about each other. They really don't. Um, and I can't relate to that because I would probably be like the person who's like, oh, just kill me instead. Like, I'm that kind of person. <laughs> um, <laughs> these guys just aren't, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're just kind of like, eh. <laughs> I feel like I'm the guy who'd be like, just give me two pickaxes and I'll try to kill as many as I can. Yeah. Because I'm definitely not trying to squeeze into a tunnel. So maybe I could like, or I'd be like, as I'm about to die, pull me backwards. And use my overweight carcass to block the tunnel so they can't get to you. You know what I mean? I do something noble like that, yeah. I'd be definitely hodoring myself so I yeah. could just be like, it's fine, guys, go I on. Hodor you know? shields, the human shield. <laughs> yeah. Use my bulbous body to protect you, Winnie the Pooh style. So I knew that Neil Marshall I knew that Neil Marshall made this movie. I had no idea it was supposed to take place in America. Like I did not know that when I started the movie. Oh really? And then mm-hmm. noted that it takes place uh, like in North Carolina like the caverns like north carolina or something like that and, and then appalachians i was like got it so this totally goes with the maxim i always put forward it's like nothing good happens in the south like ever <laughs> nothing good this yeah. should have been stated at the beginning of the movie like or the beginning of this pot even it's just like i have like this in like it's an always maxim i've worked in the south myself like nothing good <laughs> ever happens the south. how dare you 
Well, no, Sorry. I think just nothing good in I movies. I think happens what there. it is actually is I think the southerners, southerners in this one are actually okay. The cave people didn't do anything wrong. They're oh no, the cave people miners are that got left for dead and lives. mutated They're to do- survive. By the way, I don't. I was watching it pretty closely because this is something I, I. I actually I went back and rewatched some like clips and stuff. And do we ever see the like the crawlers' feet? Because. There's you think a they shot have, like hand feet. Well, no, there's a shot actually in the very beginning, uh, like the first time you see one where they're crawling on the wall. And I swear I saw one of them like wearing boots and like, look, that could be like a production. Like someone's obviously not crawling around with their bare feet. But mm-hmm. I was also the whole time that I was like, are these actually like subhumanoid people or are they like the climbers from before who just like golemed themselves? Yeah, I think they're miners because they okay, find cool. like the mining helmet. I think they are. That's what I think. Miners mm-hmm. or if not miners, they were hill folk that somehow. Because yeah. this is the thing, right? Why did they stay in there? Right. Right. Like, OK, so there's two entrances. We see the caveman drawing, you know. Or Tennessee or Kentucky public school drawing, as it were. Hey, shots fired from one Hoosier to a Kentucky. Uh, you know what yeah, I mean? As the Britons, like, what are you talking about? Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah, in, in London, they don't know of our Midwestern rivalries here. No. <laughs> no, you, you guys carry on. We have we have the same kind of stuff across here. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> ours just has less teeth. That's how our... No. Uh, yeah. anyway, so... We see the cave drawing, right? They go out at night to hunt. We saw that they mouthed up a deer, right? Mm-hmm. For some reason, they didn't drag it back in to eat or whatnot. These creatures can leave the cave. The question becomes, why didn't they, right? So if they were miners who were trapped by a, a cave-in, they eventually could have found their way out, right? They could have gone back to the earth. So this is that is something about the monsters that kind of struck me today is that they would have evolved and stayed in there on their own accord. I thought this was a lost civilization setup, right? Where they had been caved in and they couldn't escape. Whatever They can leave whenever the fuck they want. That cave is full of the bones of the, the creatures of the forest. Why didn't they? And then you start getting this. It's almost this evil little mermaid setup. So maybe the guy wearing the boots like, I want to go out there. right? I want to go where the people are. And so it's like this little... <laughs> Gollum mermaid. <laughs> right. I'd buy it. Who knows? Do why, think... why do you think the people are in that mountain, Alex? Why did they stay? I mean, I honestly, like, I, you could chalk it up also to just another cave-in. And then just, they never found their way out. Like, I, the, the amount of... The amount of it, like, these assholes are clearly much more adventure seeking folk i mean like if you're just doing a job and you get caved in like a lot of the times they just leave they like i'm sure there's history books upon history books saying how they just left people down there because they couldn't get to them well also we do see one of the female crawlers yes in a part of my mind was on a mining crew or whoever right whoever would have gone in there so maybe it's not the miners because they definitely wouldn't have been miners actually because they right. wouldn't have had time to evolve this way. So this is a, a pre-industrial people, right? Right. Because we see, because again, like if you had a mining crew, there probably weren't an enormous amount of women on mining crews, you know, at the turn of the century or whatnot. This seems like they would have had to have been there for thousands of years to evolve this way, all the way to blindness. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so they're not the trap. I always thought they were the trap miners. I don't think they are now that you mention it. 
Well, the well the uh, the um the female crawler is sort of the X factor for me because like everyone else has evolved to not need hair. Obviously, you're underground, like it's not really need. See, hair, I was thinking like, the opposite. I'm like, wouldn't you want all the hair to keep you warm? <laughs> I don't know. They're not wearing clothes either, and they're not all furry, so. <laughs> I would want to be furry. That's all I know. I, I don't know. Like that's like <laughs> because I hated all these people so much. My all encompassing thoughts were like, how did these people, how did these crawlers get down here? Why are they here? Like, who are they originally? Like that kind of stuff became very interesting to me. I mean, granted, look, it's, it, I just, I hated everybody so much. Like yeah. everyone just had a thing that I was just like, why are you again? Why are they there? It's the weirdest thing. I, when the movie started and the like, the uh, the husband and the kid die, I was like, okay, maybe they're like going back to do like a memorial, a funeral of some kind, something like that. To, like in this chapter, and I'm just like, wait, they're just going on vacation again? Like, what is happening? Well, all right, so Lucy, I'll ask you this, right? One of the things that absolutely had skated my mind in the years since I'd seen this. And made me furiously mad upon this viewing. So when Beth gets got, right, mm -hmm. Juno's fighting. She turns around and gets Beth through the neck. It's an absolutely brutal scene, right? And one, you're like, it's the only thing Juno does that I don't blame her for. Why are you sneaking up on her? Be like, hey, Juno, it's me. Don't fucking swing your axe at me. She gets got, right? And mm -hmm. you start to think maybe Beth wanted to do something else, right? A lot of stuff starts coming into play. As she's falling down, presumably to die, she makes sure to grab that fucking necklace, right? <laughs> and she knew it had Paul's little phrase, right? His, you know, whatever his hit pickup line for overly adventurous women, I guess, right? This is his, his kink. <laughs> and, <laughs> and she shows it to Sarah as confirmation. She's like, I'm so sorry. Don't trust Juno. Mm -hmm. A part of me is like, Beth, you dumbass. If you would have just said that, you wouldn't have been in Kentucky in the first place or North Carolina or wherever this takes place. Yeah. What do you think Beth is thinking? Why did she not tell her sister about the affair and go on vacation with this lady? That's a really good question because I don't think there's a really sensible answer to this, to be honest. I think they probably thought they were just going to go down there, have a good time and leave, and then nobody would have to say anything. But maybe she got a, she got a guilty conscience. Maybe she was like... Oh shit! I'm gonna die. Probably. I'm probably yeah. gonna have to tell you this now. <laughs> you know, kind of <laughs> like a deathbed confession. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah, okay, that's that makes what sense. it was because you know, if they just went there, had a good time, had a girls' holiday, and then fucked off, I don't think she would have said anything at all. But yeah, because me too. of what happened to her, maybe it was kind of like, oh, I feel a little bit guilty. Actually, <laughs> I should probably right. tell you. Maybe that was it. Yeah, and a lot of this movie is a symbolic journey. Mm. into grief right and loss and you know yeah, totally. the going into yourself and all that Definitely. i did wonder i was like if i had lost my my loved ones right my spouse and my child and someone's like well at least your spouse was a dirty cheater you'd be like oh okay well, that's not as bad right <laughs> i was just like wouldn't it because i guess that's the logic of it right is you don't want to add further insult to injury yeah. but maybe it would have made her feel better but i just kept thinking i was like beth why are you in this cave? Right. And there's a lot of that to this film, right? Of they're all there. It feels like in some way because they're suppressing or hiding from something. Right. And that's, that's more played out in our main three characters. Right. Than the, uh, the body count friends, right. As they were, but I, I do think there's an absolute 
I think this movie is one of the more interesting movies on just dealing with grief, right? When she's stuck in that tunnel and she's panicking and her sister's like, stop panicking, calm down. It's like, don't tell her to calm the fuck down. She's stuck in a tunnel underground. Yeah. And it reminds me of when I'm having like a, you know, mental health issue and my wife's like, hey, just calm down, be happy. And you're like, oh, I never thought of that. Like, Eureka, it's all solved. <laughs> Why are there therapists? You fix everything. You know, and it's it's one of those right. things a lot of us can relate to. Yeah. And I, I think this movie is actually a really awesome way to deal with what is a kind of hard relatable thing that a lot of us go through. It's It's a really good journey through that. What did you make of that, Alex? Yeah, I mean, I think the metaphors are metaphors the metaphor makes sense like yeah it is like this journey for everyone to deal with like whatever form of i like i like lucy's be the the deathbed confession like this kind of is like once the cave once the once there's a the cave-in happens it does become everybody just sort of not only they all like it sort of is that self-fulfilling prophecy we were talking about how like no one's there to like be a pal like everyone's sort of out for themselves and the first thing you would absolutely do is want to clear your conscience. So like anytime anybody's in a situation, I mean that, yeah, that scene with Beth is the best example. Like it's not a matter of like them doing the right thing. It's a matter of clearing your conscience before you move, you know, before you shift your mortal coil. Like I think that is, that's a weird thing. I It's a weird to say, it's a weird thing to say that the theme of the movie is, uh, besides it being like dealing with grief, it's also like, don't, it's also like this sort of parable of like, don't wait until like, you're going to die to tell the truth or be honest with the people you love, because that is a horrible, like, then you're just like sitting there. It just sits there like a rock. You have no way to prevent the caustic reality of the uh, events that will unfold after you deliver the truth. And then you're gone. That's that I think is probably the worst part. Like Beth, like lays down this hammer which we all agree probably Sarah has some idea what was going on, right? She knew. Okay. I rewatching that first scene having known how it ended. Yeah. I would I could not believe. I was like it was all right there. Like they right. absolutely Juno gets knocked in and they're having like a fun day. The husband goes for her and they stop and Juno does just like straight up hungry eyes. Right? Like she's not <laughs> even hiding it at all. And Sarah looks over and sees it, and she goes right. and gets her daughter, right, focusing on something else. Beth looks over and sees it. I mean, it's it's just obvious. It's so obvious yeah. the whole time. And I think that is, you know, actually your point, that's they, almost that's what's happening, right? They're going into the depths of this horrible thing. They're stuck here, and now they can't escape it, right? So all the right. Sarah saying, I won't break, right, I'm tough, or, you know, come on, you can do it, you know, stick to itiveness, that kind of stuff. Now they're just fucking sitting in it, right? And there's no reason now to hide because they can't escape. And I right. think what you see is, oh, her friend wrote her a lovely letter. Juno saying, sorry, I left so early. Other people, well, I wanted to come, but I had midterms, blah, blah, blah. Right. I think that's how most of us deal with these heavy moments, right? Especially when it's our friends and not us. You look at that and you're like, holy shit, that's a lot to... That is a lot to deal with, right? Do I have the capacity to stop everything that I'm doing to go be there for them and let them process this, right? I think we're afraid right. of that. And I think, you know, in a way, the monster showing up, it made me laugh. It was like The Breakfast Club, right? The Breakfast Club <laughs> is the only movie in history where people smoke pot and the movie does not become more funny. 
or become a comedy, right? right? They smoke pot to then cry and be depressed. And this Mm -hmm. is the one movie where the monsters show up and you're like, oh, thank God. Like, because it's easier (laughs) to fight a monster than to watch these people not tell her about an affair or the dead kid. Yeah. It is strange that the movie focus like there's like two movies kind of running tangentially, you know, like it's one is from this, dusk till dawn in that regard. Yeah. yeah. I think that's a great way to put it. Like this is this movie about grief and honesty and tr- what supposedly quote unquote true friendship is. But then, yeah. And then there's also this, there's also this monster movie going on, like the yeah. chase movie and a monster movie. There's also this whole other aspect to it. That's very, uh, I don't know, like kind of deliverancey almost. I I don't even know if that's the way I'd put it, but like it is this sort of it's it's an interesting duality. It works really well, by the way. Like, again, it scares the shit out of me. So, like, as far as I'm concerned, it's a huge success, you know? Well, what Lucy, what do you make of the the addition of the monsters? Because I was struck today as I think you could have made this just an awesome movie without the monsters. I think the monsters are. The thing I, I, when they first started attacking, you're like, oh, that's scary. And then it hits this period where I felt a little lag. Mm-hmm. I was like, now we're just doing the hiding from monster bit over and over. What I think this movie does really well is in those scenes where we're slowed down and hiding from monsters, I feel like we're still always learning a lot about the inner personas of these characters, right? So yeah. we're not losing this this important subtext of the relationships. What did you... Uh, make of how the monsters change the story when they arrive i think yeah the the monsters for me is kind of i i I think i shared that that scene on twitter when they first appear in the camera which is kind of a really impressive use of found footage you know it's uh if i remember correctly i think the actresses weren't aware that that was going to happen so that reaction i think i read that too right because that was uh, a what's his name ridley scott's trick on alien yeah Yeah. he didn't tell them the chest burster was coming so a lot of that was really film yeah Yeah. no i thought that was awesome too (laughs) there's a theory in like film and tv where as a little tangent where like you can't really fake like surprise or fear so actual directors will try and and get you (laughs) and then you genuinely react the way they want you to um but no i think uh the monsters they kind of they turn in again it's, it's my deathbed theory it's kind of making it more like this is the end the end times and i think once the girls are aware of their presence it becomes quite dramatic for them because they know that they're not just going to die of starvation they could potentially get like mauled by these like unknown things um yeah and it kind of it makes us as as a viewer more anxious because we don't know when they're going to pop up um and obviously when when they are aware that they hunt by um noise and not by sight they have to shut up (laughs) you know it's kind of like i know a quiet place came several years later but it's kind of it's like the quiet place technique isn't it of kind of being like okay yeah because they're basically bats they're basically relying on sonar um so it's yeah i think it's it's an interesting inclusion but i'm i'm definitely with you that they could have done it without them they could have just been a domestic sort of storyline yeah um but for me it's the crawlers that make me scared because that's that's horrendous (laughs) the fact that these people have evolved (laughs) to to be like this is the scariest thing ever to me like any anything mutated really freaks me out yeah, well, especially now that we've been talking and you're like, these people wanted to live like this, right? Yeah. And I th- I think yeah. that's the – I'm never going to be a person who says I'd rather have the the melodrama of a lady suffering loss without Monsters guy. That's just <laughs> how my brain works, right? Give me some genre to make it – because that shit's really hard to watch, right? A little genre 
makes it so it's more palpable, right? We can come back and enjoy that, you know, descent into this. Like if Manchester by the Sea had had these crawlers, that I maybe would watch that movie again in my life, right? <laughs> Instead, it's just Casey Affleck being a inner monster. I guess it's it's you know just not something you come back to. So I understand. Yeah. I think they do because I think the monsters are used to a cool effect as well, which is we are just we just see the monsters and we immediately just assume they're horrible, scary things, right? Yeah. Uh, and I love the first time we see the monster is it's literally just the foreground. We think it's a rock formation. We're looking through and then the drool comes down and they play it perfectly. There's no stinger. There's yeah. no scream. It's just a <gasps> like you're actually scared. Right. Whereas the second time we see them, we get a little more of the traditional jump scare stuff as the movie goes on. But that first one with the yeah. drool is just a perfect example of just really catching you off guard. Right. But I think what's funny is you start thinking through the movie and you're are these even monsters? They're just creatures that have chosen to live in yeah. this habitat. There's, there are dead bodies. We see eventually there's a pit with lots of carcasses, including other humans, but to them, they're just prey that wandered into their thing, right? If they're not dragging kids up that hill, there's probably no children or families close enough to snatch, right? So these are people who have invaded their land. And I always am fascinated by the people from the modern world run across these different, versions of us and how to live in humanity and we're like ah they're monsters or they're savages and we just start fucking their shit up and so you start being like oh man maybe these ladies are the fucking monsters of the film right this is omega man right yeah. this man who runs from these vampiric beasts and then he finds out he's the he is the legend they think he's a monster right that's what i actually think that's a really cool uh extra layer of this film what do you think yeah. alex yeah no i think that's um that makes sense. I mean, to me, it's all like the further we got into the movie and honestly, by the end, I was just like, this is like going it's like people who go to um, like people who disturb bat caves and shit like that. Like we're, <laughs> we're bothering them. Like, yeah, they obviously they've killed other people. Like, I, I think that's that's the kind of crazy thing. Like all the crawlers, none of them seem particularly horrifying. They're reacting to yeah, people disturbing their environment like. Again, this goes back to what we were talking about. These people are awful. Like they're making the choice to like, like they're making the choice to kind of like invade. And Juno sucks because she like it's a cave that perhaps nobody was supposed to be exploring. They just decided she's like decided for everyone to explore it themselves. But like, I never felt like the creatures were like villain. Like these crawlers were not villainous or unjustified in their actions. They're literally protecting their home. It's what any animal would do. So. For um, I don't know. It's it, it is a they really are definitely predatory, right? But it doesn't feel the but way they're predatory the way an yes. animal would be. Exactly. Like, there's nothing These about ladies it are like, hurting themselves on like personal attack levels. Right. There's an extra viciousness to that. These are just these are animals hungry, that are literally right? just protecting their <laughs> yeah. homes. I'm going to protect eat you. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's sustenance. It's Could not you like imagine. I cannot it's believe not we didn't see a baby crawler. I'm trying to remember the descent too, which I definitely watched. I'm I can't remember we ever saw a baby crawler, but that would have just hammered at home, right? Because there's that scene where Sarah murders a crawler, right, and then the the lady crawler comes out and is just weeping. It's like a you know crying and then like a barbaric howl because her mate is dead. 
Right. And then she attacks Sarah. And you're like, well, yeah, fuck yeah. You just killed this lady's husband. He's just out, like, gathering moss or whatever you do in this society. (laughs) And you just walked in and fucking beat him to death. And there is that weird extra level to this, right? What do you think of that, Lucy? Yeah, no, I think this is a really good point. I think, you know, you could argue in, in many films where you kind of have like an animal antagonist or something, or like like a, like you said, like a kind of, you know, um, a cult or something where they're just living. Like, you, you've, you've infiltrated their habitat. Mm-hmm. So like, what do you expect's going to happen? Do you know what I mean? Like, you have this like emergence of like shark movies where it's like, we're not supposed to be in the ocean. Yeah, too yeah right. Absolutely. <laughs> That that's not where we belong. Otherwise, yeah, we nope. have gills. You know what I mean? Like it's it's an interesting <laughs> like like theory, kind of like who is the villain in this situation? Really, yeah. um, I don't think the crawlers are particularly villainous. I just think they're a bit pissed off that people were yeah. in their cave. <laughs> to be yeah, honest, somebody fucking stepped on their somebody like it's. Yeah. I texted Griffey while I was watching this. I'm like, this is like <laughs> six Goldilockses walking into the three bears' house, <laughs> and the three bears come home. <laughs> And like all six of them have just like trashed the house and like the fuck, man. Yeah. Like that's <laughs> like, like, this they're is like wait a second, we're a giant bears, we're gonna bear fucking eat you. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to fucking eat you now. Like, yeah. oh sorry, I'll get out of here. Like, no, your dinner. Is like, it that's... Jaws's fault that that kid swam right into his mouth? No, no, no. it's not. <laughs> but see, Lucy, this, Lucy's right though. And this goes, I, I I say this about movies where people go on boats, any kind of thing. Like, by the, the way, speaking doesn't... of crawlers, look at my dog in the background. If you're on YouTube, Jesus Christ, <laughs> he always sleeps like a possessed crawler. Look at him. Neither oh, here nor there. <laughs> but that's ex- like boat movies, play movies where people go out into the ocean. Jaws, like, jaws, like any all any of that, were not meant to be in the water. Everyone needs to like stay out of the ocean. The ocean does not want you. And That's yet, we constantly are doing that. Just like, it's the same thing with the descent, though. Like, they didn't scout those caverns because maybe they didn't think it was a good idea to go down there. Well, there she didn't go. file the rescue plan on purpose, right? And I don't yep. think she really... Is this truly a cave that's never been explored? No. How the fuck did she find it? People right. knew this shit was here. People knew it was there. She just... like She the, makes an re- ordeal of it. There's like another cut of this where it's revealed that Lucy... Or that um, Juno totally... Sorry, you're Lucy. That uh, Juno <laughs> totally knew. No, it's fine. Lucy made us watch The Descent, so that's why I'm... <laughs> <laughs> you're harboring <laughs> ill wills now? <laughs> Juno totally knew what was going on and like just purposely did this. Like there's another cut of this movie where she's just like completely... Like they had to like unvillain her just a touch. But that would be like the truest villainy. Yeah, I think they did a bad job. If that was their, <laughs> she's the most villain. <laughs> that was the least. That was the least yeah. they could do for and her. I, I think it gets back to this, you know. And this is something we all deal with. We all have those friends that live for the gram, as they say, right? Yeah. So everything they do is so it'll look good on Facebook or Instagram, and you can be like, "Look at what I'm doing." And I think that's what a lot of this extreme sports nonsense is. It's like, <laughs> oh look, you know, you went to a, you know, a bed and breakfast and read a book you know, on a porch by trees. Good for you. I spelunked right. And found a cave of albino right. monsters. And you're like, yeah. Okay. Good for you. I think that's what it's all about. And that yeah. becomes, that's something that's become even more kind of prescient as the movies aged is now that more and more of our friends live for this kind of fake social media life. You start seeing the cost of that, right? Like there are a lot of, you know, I, I read a whole story about, these influencers that go to like third world countries and just take pictures of like, Oh, I gave this, you know, person a bite of my sandwich and shit. And it's like, what are you doing? You're garbage. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what's happening in this movie. Inadvertently. I'm not saying Juno's going down there to like, 
you know, pretend she's on a charity mission. But they are just no, tromping look, through these people's homes. <laughs> yeah. They're just traipsing through someone's house, though. It's the same thing as people. Yeah, and it's, it's ignoring it's a- the sad reality that they all won't talk about, right? This giant right. fucking blind white elephant in the room is this thing that's happened and that they don't really want to be around each other. So why not take it up a notch to the extreme so we can pretend what we should actually be fucking dealing with? Right. All right. So let's talk about Sarah's ending here. Mm-hmm. Um, Alpha Sarah, as I call her, right? Yeah. The Alpha Sarah, once she finds Beth, right? So she finds Beth down in the the eatery, the golden, the underground Golden Corral room. <laughs> golden Corral is a buffet. Sorry, Lucy. I forget that you don't know what we're talking right. about. <laughs> it's a place where you go and they have fountains of uh, chocolate and cheese. And Ooh. it's a very American experience, right? Just eating yeah. so much, you have to get rascaled out. Eating so much, it hurts. And then going home. Yeah, it's amazing. I'm Going not here to look down on it. It's amazing. If my wife weren't a germaphobe, I would go there every day. But <laughs> so she finds Beth, right? I thought there was some really cool visual storytelling happening in this moment, right? So once she hands her the feather, you know, oh, this was Paul's. You know, they were cheating this and that. There's a moment that's really horrifying that, you know, we kind of glossed over amongst the myriad of horrors with the, you know, night vision crawlers and all that stuff's beautiful. The yeah. scariest moment in the ending here to me is when Beth's like, don't let me, don't leave me like this, right? Mm-hmm. And she asks Sarah Oof. to do her in, right? And Sarah grabs a rock and the camera cuts way far back, right? And we haven't had a real wide shot in a long time because as we get deeper into this cavern, right? And what's happening, these are all very tight shots. We pull way the fuck back, right? And we see her hit her sister with the rock. Now, this is where I thought it was interesting. I wanted your opinion on what's happening here, Lucy. So from that shot, right, the thud, the camera cuts in tight, and there's a look on Sarah's face that's, I wouldn't say blank, because it looks like there's something roiling under the surface, right? But it's not what you would expect. She's not crying. She's not weeping. She hasn't lost it. She just smashed her sister's face in. Yeah. Right. And we cut really fucking close. And then it is abruptly ended with a monster attack and, you know, into the blood and this and that. What do you think's happening in Sarah at that moment when we pull in really tight? I think with Sarah, I think she's the only character that I have any kind of vague sympathy for, to be honest. So I think at this point, she's just she's lost so much. She's lost a husband, a child and now a sister. I think she's just exhausted to be honest, because you, <laughs> that's a great way to put it. <laughs> you, you probably reach a point where you're just like, Oh my God. Like I, and like, because everybody processes grief, grief in a different way. You know, some people might cry immediately. Some people might take days or months or years to really process it. You can't fully understand what's going on in that head of hers. And I think at this point, she's just like, she has to just do what has to be done. Um, and her sister wants to be euthanized. And that's just kind of what she's doing. Um, that's kind of how I saw it. Uh, oh. It's just exhaustion, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. Alex, what do you make of this moment? Yeah, I hadn't. I was trying to put the words together for it, but I think exhaustion is a great way to put it. That's exactly what I keyed in on. Like, she's just, yeah. Like, there's a point where you just sort of, and we see it a lot in movies where people do just get like compounding misery. Jesus, there's a yeah. point where you just, everything is lost. So you just, you all, it's almost like this like breath of fresh air. Like, you're just like, it's weird to put it that way, but you're just like, I'm so tired. Like, just like this exhale of 
I just have to get this out of my system. Like, not to say she wanted to kill her sister, but more just like, this is like the final straw of the, oh, God. Like, yeah. everything sucks. So, well, I mean, I think that's what, yeah, that's kind of how I saw it, too. Exhaustion's a much more eloquent way of how I was imagining it, right? Yeah. No, I, I, just, I just saw it as like a, almost like a pod person where you're just, you're in this cave and it's like, what else can you fucking take from me? Mm. Right. So she had a sister who she loved, but then she finds out has been in on this kind of ruse, right? Lying to her and this and that. And I don't think that means she wants to kill her sister, but she's just like, Jesus Christ, is there anything in my life that can just be okay? And mm. I think in that moment, she can't even be filled with rage or weeping or anything like that. Cause there's just nothing left. And I think the sh fact that that shot ends with her getting attacked and she kills this monster and rolls into the pit of blood. And it is, it's kind of a rebirth scene, right? Like when she comes out of that pit of blood, she has changed. Now she is this ferocious, I will destroy, right? And I, I thought of it that way, that life is just taken and taken and taken. And there's nothing left. And the moment she emerges from that blood, she goes, now I'm going to take, right? Mm -hmm. She has a mission. She has something to go destroy that she can blame for all of this, right? Right or wrong, right? She can blame Juno. So now she is on a mission to destroy instead of being destroyed. And I thought it was a, you know, it's weird because the scene, is, this, this is very brutal, right? This is a very brutal movie and it's just violent and horrible. And it's kind of unrelenting in its misery, this movie. But I actually, that was a moment I was cheering from my couch, right? Like, yeah, go fucking get some. Oh. You know what I mean? Like go out and give it for a change. I think, I think yeah. it's kind of a much needed, if not dark, uh, relief when this moment right. happens. I guess it's in theme with the movie. It's like the one happy moment, so to speak. Like, I, I don't know. Or is like, it just the moment where we, as an audience, were like, they can't, they can't possibly hurt her anymore. There's no be. one left that they can take from her. I so mean, that goes back into what Lucy it lets was saying. Us breathe. Yeah. Exhaustion, yeah. Yeah, what do you think of that, Lucy? The blood birth, as it were. It's a great scene. It's really, it is. <laughs> really gorgeously stylistic, very gory so scene. Awesome. I love it. I think it's amazing. But yeah, you're right. It's a, I couldn't have put it better myself. Really, it's rebirth. It's it's sort of her going right. That's it. <laughs> like like I am the boss now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I think we all desperately want that yeah. too. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. it's 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 the final showdown. You get this in a lot of films. You know, the final showdown between somebody and an antagonist, and Juno is the antagonist. You know, anybody can fight me on Twitter. She is the antagonist of this film. She is. <laughs> it's not the yeah. troll as her. <laughs> I mean, she's so, just the antagonist yeah. to like the universe at this point. She's such True. a sack of shit. Yeah. yeah, I can't I can't wait to see those Juno lovers on Twitter try to defend that one. Yeah, the, oh, if you're wait. a Juno defender, right? It's time to rethink some things. <laughs> It's okay to admit defeat and move on. It's been long enough. But no, this is, I mean, this is the thing, right? This is her moment. That's actually one of my favorite scenes, right? So we see the sisters trying again to get across the chasm. Her throat is sliced. She cuts her cord. It's very dramatic. The other sisters drag down and eat, and it's just Juno. And she has her own rebirth moment, right? She hits the water. She emerges from the water clean. And that stark contrast between blood-soaked, just fucking intensity uh alpha sarah right staring at juno who's always seemed to be the kind of you know head person in charge she looks shell-shocked at what she's witnessing right there's a real fear of this woman who she's taken so much from 
And I thought the rebirth matching was really fun, right? Sarah comes out hardened, right? The blood is almost all of her trauma that's made her armor, right? It's protecting mm -hmm. her now. You can't hurt her anymore. Whereas Juno, by refusing to ever admit how big of a piece of shit she is, she comes out of the water clean, right? She has no armor. Mm -hmm. And this is the moment where she says, what happened to Beth, right? Because Juno's talking to the two sisters and she's, uh, you know, Beth didn't make it. She didn't lie about it. She just said Beth didn't make it. When Sarah asks her, she says, Beth died. Did you see her? Yeah. Why does she not just tell Sarah, I accidentally hit Beth? I was scared. I was fighting. I did it on accident. She fucking refuses to take responsibility for herself. And that's why her rebirth is she's constantly able to rewrite in her mind that she's not responsible for this shit. So that's why she has to suffer in this ending. I right. thought, I mean, just visually, the 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 metaphor of the feather and the the word and this and that, it's it's very heavy-handed at times, but I think it's rolled out in a very poetic way. What do you make of that, Lucy? Yeah, yeah. I actually had a sudden thought. You guys, I assume, know Carrie, really famous Carrie mm -hmm. film. It kind of reminds me of that, you know, obviously when they yeah. kind of, you know, she's covered in blood and she gets her revenge. It's that kind Hell of yeah. thing that's just like, right, that's Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like, you're just, you're drenched. You, you look like shit. You're just like, right, that's it. And I think you've made a good point about Juno, though, is the fact that it's almost like falling into water and coming out clean because she thinks she can just get away with things constantly and she's never going to have any repercussions for any of her actions, right. um, which makes her the horrible person that she is. She, she even in this moment where, like, you're kind of screwed. Even then, she doesn't even tell her the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, exactly. There's just no redeeming features for Juno at all. And I think that's kind of the tip of the iceberg for me. I was like, no, she's just, she's she's the worst. Yeah. I mean, even Beth admits that she knew, right? So Beth in her dying moment risked the last thing her sister will ever know of her is that, yeah, I lied to you and I'm sorry. But at least she fucking says it, right? She has the courage to, risk yeah. how her sister will always think of her to at least say it right what do you think of right. this alex yeah i mean there's it's like i was saying like when you're on death's door like i don't know like to me that's not particularly uh, i can't say that i guess i mean look you have to be if i'm best to tell i'm just going to my grave without saying that like why i but i'm not a particularly brave person it's i think it is more to tell courageous the truth to tell anything. the truth than most people let on mm -hmm. what's that I think it's more courageous to tell the truth than most of us. Because I bet if you ask most of us, we're all, we're all adults in the real world, right? I would venture to say probably eight out of ten times, we lie at least a little bit to just keep things moving, right? <laughs> I think that's just how we all exist. I think the courage to tell the truth is its own superpower. And its yes. own <laughs> it has its own. Like, I mean, it's just, I mean, look, I... We all work in entertainment. We literally work with liars all the time. Like everybody has a story like, oh, like everyone has a version of their story where like they're the hero. And obviously you never want to be the villain of your own story. But like, but that's exactly why Juno is the way she is. Like Juno knows she's fucked up. Like Juno knows at every turn she's made a bad decision. So when it comes to the point where she has like kind of the ability to admit it finally, like fully willing to be courageous yeah. enough to say like i have been wrong every step of the way i'm the reason that everyone is i'm the reason i'm the reason your family's dead like yeah. i'm the reason you are alone in this world not being courageous and 
honestly being like being so cowardly that you'd still live the lie, even though like you're literally you've seen things that yeah no one else has seen. Yeah, she you was experienced just baptized, horror on right? horror <laughs> together for the ability to just still sort of live the lie for yourself is yeah, yeah like there's just for be- like Beth telling the truth that is courage. Yeah. To just continue to live the life Beth just seems like nothing bullshit. out of that. There's yeah. no value in Beth saying that, but she knows that it, it might help Sarah who's still going to be alive. And right. I, I, I think that ending is very important. And then we kind of go into this, the two of them battling together, you know, these symbolic representations of their inner demons, right? <laughs> Things right. left unsaid. And there's that again, it's, it's very in your face with the symbolisms, right? Of dropping the feather hitting the fucking knee when she hits that kneecap that's about as happy as i've ever been in a movie and i don't like graphic injuries like that but i thought that was so much cooler than just killing juno right Mm. i thought that was just so perfect like now you fucking have to sit down here and confront all the horrible shit you've done as personified by these white golem monsters right well now (laughs) it's the truth now the truth is now the truth will consume that's that's Sarah exposing the truth. Like, yeah. it's like you had a chance and now you will have to sit in the fact that you didn't have the courage to tell the truth. Yeah. I yeah. thought that was very beautiful. And then as she's running, she almost falls and we start to see weakness creeping back in on not weakness per se, but normal Sarah reemerging. Right. Right. Instead of this, like, you know, God of war, Sarah, we just saw. And as <laughs> she's scrambling up that hill, right on the pile of these dead bodies. I just love that shot. I think the symbolism of that's really cool. And I, I think a lot of people would say the ending of the film is not extremely interesting, right? Which one? So she yeah, runs out. Yeah, see, I like the second one better. Mm. The unshown one. I think that was on the DVD. Mm. But her just is that the, her going is that there the, and then seeing Juno's ghost is how the theatrical ended, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Why would you be worried about Juno's fucking ghost? Yeah, that's not. I agree. Like that was a I because I went online and watched the other ending. Which is so much better. Well, it's yeah. better, too, because it brings in this motif we've seen the whole film, which is her seeing the the birthday cake and the daughter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so the final, if I remember the the ending, that the scores were so bad. They're like, that's so shitty. Audiences hated the original ending, right? Which was she sees the candles with her daughter. And if I remember right, we pull back, and it's her and her daughter and a cake. And they're right. stuck in the cave, and they're just... 50, 100 of these monsters behind them. You know that she's finally snapped. She's delusional. And she's having this one last final image, and then she's going to be eaten or worse, maybe usurped into this society. God only knows what happens, right? Perhaps she becomes the true Alpha Sarah. That's what I mean. She becomes the new queen, right? The queen of these fucking slithery Kentuckians or whatever. (laughs) I think that ending's way better. I think it's way better than just this kind of arbitrary jump scare of a ghost. What do you, why do you think, and I, again, I think it was because audiences universally are like, we don't want to see this lady get fucked in the end. We want her to have a happy ending. I would argue this one's not a happy ending mm. and it's less interesting, right? What do you think of that, Lucy? So the birth, the birthday cake engine, I believe is the original, the original like UK engine, which is the one that I saw. Um, oh no I, shit! Okay. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I was gonna I, say I, I think we had the U.S. ending. 
Yeah, I have. I think it's more. It's more. Is it the UN, US like international distribution one was the one that had the jump scare in it. Oh, I thought that was just like um, a cut scene. Gotcha. No. Yeah, I think because like it would it would depend on what region you bought the DVD from because the one that I've got the birthday cake is the original ending like on there, but you can watch the other one like on the extra like you know special effects bit. Right. Um, right. But yes, no, I think that, that the original ending is my favorite. I think because it's kind of just sort of. It's bittersweet because like she's delusional, she's down there, whatever. Yeah. But it's kind of, it's what would happen because you would yeah. just you would just lose your absolute mind, and it's kind of, you know, it, it does take me back to our first podcast we did with with um, Aaron Ralston because like he was delusional as well. I think you, you would get to that point when you yeah. were down there. Whereas I don't know, I just think the one with the jump scare and that is a bit like oh okay, it's a bit. I mean, it, it's a bit weird. Just not to <laughs> not to be it. It's like the most united. It's the most U.S. thing ever. Like you're just like, oh, really? She dies down there. She like, even <laughs> had the coloring of like the ghost from the ring, and I was like, really? Yeah, I mean, it's the most. It's it's just the most like annoying thing about like U.S. audiences is like we just expect happy endings. Like, oh, this should all work out, and it's like, no. Yeah. Like, well, don't get always. me wrong. I don't want to see this woman suffer anymore. No, I don't want to see but, this woman suffer. But yeah. like that is such an out of context out. ending. Yeah. With the rest of the movie. Yeah, like, yeah. it totally cops out with, like, what the point of the movie feels like it should is saying. Like, for it to just end with, like, oh, good, she got out, but she's, like, haunted by the hallucination. Yeah, why would you feel bad about friend. Juno? Yeah. How did she get out, though? Make it make sense. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, give me so something. Strange. Like, she, yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I it makes, it, the, the U.S. ending makes no sense. Like, the U.K. ending yeah. has a point. It has the context of the movie. Right in mind well there's this ghastly sorry not uk the original ending original <laughs> ending original. well as americans do we take from the uk and we make it our own right? <laughs> <laughs> usa no i'm just kidding but the, <laughs> we're not that show yeah we're not it, but what i i like about this kind of ghastly beauty of the ending right is that it's this perfect bow of this this grief journey that we've been on is that mm-hmm. she I think the the American ending kind of hints at, ah, she defeated her grief. It'll be fine. Nope. And like who she should have seen in that car is a ghost of her sister, not Juno. Yeah. You know, and I think that the one with the birthday cake, though, is this perfect. It's this perfect image of why loss and grief are impossible to to capture and deal with. Right. Is it is this beautiful moment with the daughter that she'll always love and a reminder that she'll never escape that right and that that moment's what she'll always be chasing and thinking of and i think it might not be a, a wildly satisfying ending to just see oh this poor fucking beaten and abused damaged lady's gonna get eaten mm. but you know maybe that's how this should have ended right maybe there's like what is left for her when she gets out of that cave you know now she has to restart this whole oh all my friends are dead and 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 the descent too is just a wildly American kind of idea remake of this is so I think bad. she just finds like these yokel sheriffs and they're like, let's go back down there with guns. <laughs> and if I'm not mistaken, that's the descent too. And Juno's down there now still kind of like kicking ass. Um, Ugh. If I remember the film, it is not an exceptionally great film, but, but yeah, <laughs> I think, I think the movie itself, right. To wrap this up, I think that's, what's beautiful about the descent is that it's, an inevitability at the start of the film they're telling us the whole time that there is no happy ending in this story and i think for most people in life most of our interactions aren't happy endings right 
That's just where it is. They always say, right, every movie ends in either a funeral or a wedding. Well, for human beings, it's always a funeral. That's every one of our endings. And you try to hold on to that birthday cake or that wedding as long as you can, but this is what happens, right? And from the moment it goes black and white and we hear that fiddle, which is never good, that means horrible country things are happening. <laughs> we just know something bad is happening. And despite knowing that, the movie invokes a constant, heavy amount of dread that feels like it's pressing you in your seat. And the interpersonal struggles are so interesting that it doesn't ever just devolve into this normal monster movie. It's always operating on that that emotionally taut level. And I think that's what I remember most about The Descent and why I think it's a lot better than some of these other just um, lost in the wood with inbred offshoots of humanity, right? What are your final thoughts on uh, The Descent, Alex? Uh, it's been a long time since I've had a movie like make me nauseous and also scare the shit out of me. Um, <laughs> but in talking about it, it is a movie that I actually think has a lot of resonance with just if anyone who's been through a traumatizing event, anyone who's had to deal with dishonesty within their group. Like we all have those group of friends. Like it's hard to it's hard to tell anyone the truth. And it's hard to be honest with people in general, like we were saying. So, like, for me, this movie, while having the outward appearance of being, yes, like, all the things I hate about the world wrapped into one movie, <laughs> um, was actually a really cathartic cathartic story to watch about, like, grief and loss and just what it takes to be honest with the people you think you love. Well yes. done. Lucy, same question. Yeah, no, 100%. It's a very cathartic film. And I think the the fear comes from how believable it is. I think if you were stuck down there, confronted with your own thoughts and confronted with your own guilt, it would be quite the horrific experience. And then when you add the crawlers into the mix, it's kind of your absolute worst nightmare. Um, I, I think it's a great film. It's a great piece of work. I think it's one of the, the better horror films out there, to be honest with you. Um, the sequel didn't need to exist, but we can just not talk about it. <laughs> In a world where it was going to exist, I wish they would have done better. That's all In a world where sequels go so well. Yeah, <laughs> there's so many great sequels. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, a, it's a great film. I think it's, I would recommend it to anybody kind of dipping their toes into the horror genre a little bit because you'll get a lot out of it, I think. That's what I it agree. Well, Lucy, we want to thank you so much for making the time. Uh, you're always you. welcome. You're an amazing guest and oh, friend. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No, I, I love to be here. So thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. Awesome. Would you like to tell everyone one more time where they can find you? Yeah, yeah. So my um, main Twitter account is at Lucy Jade Buglis, uh, or you can follow me on my TV Time podcast at TV Time Pod, all on Twitter because I spend all my life on Twitter, basically. <laughs> awesome. And we'll make sure to have links to everything in the show notes, guys. Uh, again, thank you, Lucy. The Descent was thank amazing. You. Stay thank with you. us, guys, because in this October... Every single day, a new pod. 31 days, 31 pods. We know it's a lot. Thank you guys for spending all the time with us. Go find Lucy stuff and become her friend as well. Uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Bye.